Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. I'm super excited to bring you this episode. It is timely and relevant and provides amazing tips and advice for anyone who's interested in learning more about how to optimize their career search journey. My guest today is Jeremy Schiefling. Jeremy has devoted his career to helping others succeed in theirs. From teaching kindergarten in Brooklyn to recruiting top students at Teach for America to leading education marketing at LinkedIn, he's touched the lives of millions of people at every stage of their journey. Along the way, he's published the best-selling LinkedIn book on Amazon, served as a career coach for military veterans at shift.org, and MBA students at the University of Michigan and he has produced the most viewed video in LinkedIn's history. He currently leads marketing at Khan Academy and shares his thoughts on Break Into Tech, a website for anyone who wants to launch a tech career. If you are interested in learning about AI chat models like ChatGPT and how it can help you in your job search, or if you have no idea what ChatGPT is and now you're sort of curious, you are definitely going to want to listen to this conversation. And if you want to learn how to start using or how to improve your skills using LinkedIn, again, you're definitely going to want to hear this conversation. Our world continues to evolve, and like it or not, technology continues to play an important role in just about everything we do. The job market is becoming more competitive than ever. Wouldn't it be great if we knew how to tap into tools and tech that would give us an advantage when seeking a new job or career? Well, I'm happy to report that my conversation with Jeremy will provide just that. In the next 30 minutes, you'll hear straight from an expert regarding the power of LinkedIn and how to use AI to simplify and improve your career search process. So let's get started. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Betsy. I'm so thrilled. Yeah, I'm thrilled too. This is such a treat for me because we're going to talk about a couple of subjects that I find fascinating, but also are critical, I think, today for anybody who's joining the workforce or is thinking about joining the workforce, like college kids or people who are way into the deep of it. But before we get started, can you just give a little bit of background for my audience about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. So you know, I've had a very interesting career, having gone from being a kindergarten teacher to a techie out here in Silicon Valley. And I currently lead the uh, marketing team at Khan Academy and also write books and other, other things about LinkedIn and ChatGPT. Yeah. So... I have your book linked. I'm holding it up. Of course, the audience can't see it because this isn't video. Um, this book is super helpful, and we're going to talk about it um, later. But I want to talk about your path really quick because I knew about most of it, except I don't think I knew about the kindergarten teacher. So when you were in high school, did you did you want to be a teacher? Like, How did that all start? Yeah, no way. So I think the first <laughs> thing I always want to tell everyone, high school student, college student, is you don't have to have your life figured out because no one does. No one really right. just goes on this linear path. It's always a roller coaster. But I think going into college, I was very excited to geek out on all these different topics. And then I got burnt out on that ivory tower phenomenon of 
let's just study theory. Let's study sort of this stuff in the abstract. But there was one class that pierced that experience. And that was an education class where I got to go to a local classroom, work with kids directly. And I was like, this is the most direct impact I can make compared to all that stuff in the ivory tower. That's what hooked me on education. That's what took me into becoming a kindergarten teacher. That's so neat. Um, how long were you a kindergarten teacher? So I was a kindergarten teacher for two years, which is probably two years too long for my poor kindergartners. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely an eye-opening experience and also gives you appreciation for how much creativity and talent is inside all of us, you know, before our society and our school system starts to raise questions. Okay. And then what happened after that? Right. And so then when I was moving to New York City with my then girlfriend, now wife, um, I had this year where I had to transfer my teaching certificate. And so while I was waiting for my certificate to go from Pennsylvania to New York, I worked for Teach for America, which is this nonprofit that recruits mostly college students to become amazing teachers in classrooms of need all throughout the country. And I realized doing this experience that as much as I love teaching, I actually was pretty terrible at it, but it was great at things like, you know, working on Excel and doing marketing campaigns and all the stuff that I had to do at Teach for America. And again, it was another one of these epiphanies only by doing it that I come to realize this was the opportunity for me. Gosh, and I talk about this all the time about exploration and, you know, trying things and maybe failing at things, but one door closes and another door opens. Um, and you learn exactly what you're saying. You learn what you're good at as you go. So what was next? Yeah. So then, you know, once I decided that, hey, this was a skill set that I was not only good at, but actually brought me a lot of satisfaction, I decided to double down on it. And so I worked for other nonprofits. I went to grad school. I went to work for Apple and LinkedIn. And basically every step along the way, I was building upon the things I learned in the last job, getting better and better at this thing that I love doing. So I do think to that original point of, you know, at 18 or 15, I didn't have to have my life figured out. As you get more experience in the world, things become clearer. Yeah. Hear that, college students? For those in the back, you don't have to have it all figured out. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure for them to know that. They feel like they need to know. And and most career paths are not linear. Yes. Um, I use the the analogy of a jungle gym. So you're mm. kind of going you know, left and right and up and down and back and forth. Now you're currently working for Khan Academy and you're the marketing director there. Is that right? That's right. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's an interesting job because it fuses together these two threads throughout my career. You know, both that passion for education where I started and then also that passion to do it at scale, to use these modern technologies to serve not just tens of students in my class, but millions around the world. So really is kind of a culmination of a lot of those threads coming together. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. I say that too. I've ended up somewhere where I, I'm sort of a sum of all my parts, hmm. um, all the things I learned along the way, which is a great place to be. Yeah. Now, you mentioned in your intro, ChatGPT. Let's step that back a little bit and talk a little bit about AI. So for people who are listening who are not familiar with any of this, can you just kind of give a little intro AI slash ChatGPT 101 for people who don't know what it is or how it works? Yeah, for sure. So I think the best way to think of ChatGPT and its ilk, this, these large language models that you may have seen written about breathlessly in the press, is they're kind of like the next generation of Siri and Alexa and all the things that we've been used to for the last decade. But instead of being limited by these canned answers of, you know, here's what the weather is or here's what um, the next song playing is, it can actually start to leverage all the written words basically in human uh, history or civilization 
to start to figure out, hey, how can we be more creative? How can we come up with an answer that's a little bit outside the box? And so even though the technology is not perfect and we can talk about all the dark sides, it's kind of the first time that anyone, whether you're a parent or a high school kid, can have almost your own little assistant to brainstorm with, to get help with things. And I think it, it definitely has the potential, if used in the right way, to make our lives a lot better. Yeah. So speaking of using it in the right way or not using it in the right way, there's been so much controversy about, you know, college kids having it right there, having uh -huh. it right there, essay papers and reports and things like that. What do you say to all that? Like, how do we make sure that this tool is used for good? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would say that like pretty much all of the bad use cases that people are talking about today, the plagiarism and the cheating and all that, those things have always existed, right? Mm -hmm. My wife was a university professor when Wikipedia first came out. And all these students all of a sudden had these brilliant essays, which they had lifted right from a certain website. And so this is not a new problem in our society. But I do think that anyone who's only doing that with ChatGPT is really missing the point, mm -hmm. which is, you know, AI is a way not to replace the human in the process, to replace your creativity, but to augment it, to supplement it. And so I think that's where I would love people to think about and really sort of find new opportunities beyond just, let me get my way through this essay. Okay, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. So as somebody who's new to AI and, well, maybe not AI so much, but G ChatGPT, I went online, I created an account and I started asking it questions. Now, I heard recently in a webinar, I think you might have been in the webinar, uh, one of the panelists um, on LinkedIn, that there's even like a job title now for like uh, prompt engineer, right? right. So right. writing a good prompt is important. Can you explain what that is and what it means? Yeah. So first of all, for anyone who hasn't used this before, and I highly encourage you to do it because it's free. All you're doing is you're going into a text box, just like it was the internet in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And instead of typing um, and chatting with a, a human somewhere in the world, you're just chatting with this computer. And the prompts that Betsy is getting at are the idea of how do you sort of guide it in the right direction? So for example, you might say, I'm a high school student, where should I go to college? And it might spit out some very generic things like you should look for a college, it's a good fit for you, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But if you said, I'm a high school student who's passionate about animal rights, who really wants to learn more about music theory, who wants to ultimately have a career doing something that's good for the world, now, because you're giving it a lot more specificity, you're gonna get a lot more specificity out. And so it's that classic rule of pretty much anything with gar with uh, computers or algorithms, garbage in, garbage out, yep. specificity in, specificity out. I think that's the rule of thumb for making the most of this tool. And can you tweak the prompt as you go, like just get more and more refined? That's right. And so unlike Google, where you might like put in your search query, look through results, and then ultimately give up, here you can have a dialogue where if you get the results back and it says, hey, you should check out these 10 colleges. And you're like, well... Those sound good, but I'm really looking for a single sex education. Mm -hmm. You can start to refine that prompt, refine its understanding of you over time to the point that the results are really extraordinary, not just generic. And how reliable is the data? Yeah, so this is the tricky part. The data that most of these models were trained on comes from 2021, basically all the you know publicly available web pages of that time. And so if you're looking for, you know, what time are the movies today? It's not going to be that great for that kind of search. That being said, if you're looking for timeless things like what are the characteristics of colleges or job paths that tend not to change within a year's you know, a span or so, it does tend to be pretty good. That being said, the one big dark side that I've seen over and over again 
is then when it doesn't have enough information to go on, sometimes it won't tell you that. It won't say, oh, sorry, Betsy, I can't answer that question. It will actually do, and this is the technical term, hallucinations. It will say, <laughs> aha, there is a great you know, college sitting in the uh, middle of the Atlantic. It's called Atlantis, <laughs> and you should absolutely enroll. I know that's a fanciful example, but there, you do have to be careful and look at everything with a grain of salt because sometimes it will fill in the gaps with fabricated information. So just be a, a savvy consumer of what it produces. Okay. And there's no way to uh, adjust your prompt to say, if you don't know, don't give me an answer? Yes, that's a really good point. So you can always give it an even clearer role. So it tries to assume your intention based on, if you're asking for colleges, I should be acting like a college advisor. But if you say, play the role of a knowledgeable college advisor who never gives answers that are, that are not like 100% certain, that will probably help. And then there's the pro tip of like, you know, if you just do this on the OpenAI website, it tends to be pretty much unsourced, unsighted information. But if you use that exact same model in the context of Bing Chat, because Microsoft has a partnership with them, it will often give you citations. And so that way you can dig a little deeper and make sure, hey, there is some human created content behind this, not just a, a fanciful computer fabrication. So what's the difference between like Bing and ChatGPT and all the different engines? Is that what I should call yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. I would say not that much, to be honest. Um, it's kind of the way that they um, present themselves to the user and the way that, you know, iOS and Android are pretty similar um, operating systems underneath the hood. You know, they make you like, make phone calls, go on the internet, all that stuff, mm -hmm. but they just have slightly different superficial experiences. And so... Microsoft has prioritized truthfulness and citations over OpenAI just saying, let's be fast and creative and whatever. So just kind of different flavors of the same foundational recipe. Okay. Whew, there's so much to know about this. So say I'm a college student yeah. and um, I'm two years in and I have to pick my major yeah. and I have no idea what to pick. Can you... I'm putting you on the spot a little yeah, bit, but can you give me a prompt kind of off the top of your head yeah. of the kind of question they might ask? And that's the perfect example because, again, it's here to like augment the human experience, not replace it. Right. And so you could come in there and say, hey, you know, I'm a little bit stuck right now. I'm trying to choose my perfect major. I know that these things are important to me values-wise. You could talk about either things that you're interested in or career paths that are important in terms of I need to pay off my student loans or I want to have good work-life balance or whatever it is. And because it has access to this incredible corpus of human knowledge, it can start to find some of those invisible connections. Like, did you know that if you're a poli-sci major, you would be actually eligible for this job that tends to pay pretty well? It might not be obvious to your average you know, college sophomore, but because it has that data at its fingertips, it can help those connections become visible. So do you see this type of technology yet is it being used in, in high schools and colleges? And I don't just mean by students. Yeah, so this is the interesting thing. I believe Axios did a survey of both teachers and students across America a few weeks ago. And something like 35% of, of students said they were using it, but 60% of teachers said they were using it. And you would wow. think it would be the other way around. Yeah. But I think that the reality is, and this is no offense to the students who are listening, <laughs> students have a fairly narrow set of things that they have to focus on. You know, do your math homework, do your essays, get done with your schoolwork. Mm -hmm. Whereas think about your poor teachers, mm -hmm. they've got to juggle coming up with new lesson plans, coming up with creative ways to start lessons, coming up with ways to review uh, homework based on a rubric, corresponding with parents, corresponding with administrators. 
every one of those areas is a challenge where ChatGPT and its ilk could actually help out. I think that's why teachers are hopping on this bandwagon because they want to be able to do more with less time. That's a powerful tool for them. What a huge time saver. Where else do you see it being used most frequently and and with the most value? Yeah. So I think, you know, there's definitely probably an application in every endeavor, whether it's Mm -hmm. artistic, creative, um, uh, arithmetic. But like, I'll just give you an example from what I do with my, um, the, the students who are coming to me asking for job advice. I'll say, you know, if you just go out there into the world and say, hey, I want to get a cool job or even a tech job. Mm-hmm. That doesn't speak the language of recruiters, the people who are actually deciding whether you're worthy of that job. What they want to know is what is the specific job that you can do and what are the reasons we should believe you? And so if you can feed your interest or your resume into ChatGPT, it can spit out, here are some sample resume bullet points. Here's a sample cover letter template. And now all of a sudden, those students who are feeling stuck, like I'm never going to make it to the promised land, now I feel like, hey, I have enough sort of ammunition to get rolling. Again, it's not perfect. I'm not going to submit it as is, but I'm no longer basically stuck staring at that bl- uh, blinking cursor over and over again. Well, and if only there were a Google Sheet that would allow that's them right, to do that. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a great segue. Yeah. Um, so you created this tool using a Google Sheet, right? That's right. Where, I mean, tell me about it. So you programmed it to do just that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I do think that like, Similar to the blinking cursor problem when you're writing a resume or cover letter, people who are new to ChatGPT face that same challenge. Like, what should I ask? Where do I begin? And so all you have to do in this profile bot 4K, as I called it, Mm -hmm. is basically specify, here's the job that I want. Here's my existing resume. And it will start to give you really specific feedback in terms of, here's what your LinkedIn headline should say. This is the kinds of things you should post on LinkedIn. And the reason is, is that because it's no longer such a amorphous sandbox that you have to navigate, you just have to give it like a couple of quick answers. It can help expedite the time to ultimately, you know, get information that's really useful to you. So definitely not rocket science, but anything I can do to help people, you know, get to where they need to be, that's important. Well, that's super valuable and really amazing of you. We can include a link in the show notes. Am I right about that? So people, or do they need to reach out to you? Totally free, totally lifetime access. So yeah. Great. Yeah, I have it. So I have to start messing around with it. <laughs> this is so, so interesting. As you know, job hunting and creating your resume and doing your LinkedIn profile and optimizing it, all those things are hard, especially if you are a young person and yes. don't have a lot of career experience. So to have a tool like this to help you kind of get over that hurdle is really huge. And we'll be right back after a quick break. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Can we talk a little bit about LinkedIn? Yes, please. 
Well, let's talk about the book first. So the book is called Linked, Conquer Lincoln, Get Your Dream Job, Own Your Future by Omar Garriott and the one and only Jeremy Sheffling. Um, what made you write this book? Yeah. So it really is sort of like a 10-year journey that Omar, my co-author, and I went on. We met when we were working at LinkedIn on the education team. And one of the big things that caused LinkedIn to hire us in the first place is they realized, hey, we're doing a great job with CEOs and recruiters and headhunters, but we're not doing a very good job with their kids. Mm. They're spending more time on Facebook and Twitter and whatever else was popular back in the day. And even though LinkedIn is a place where they can actually access opportunity. And I think to your point, all these things just feel hard. You know, mm -hmm. I would talk to students all the time when I was on the team and they would say, LinkedIn is like my dad's social network. I don't want to go there. That just feels like <laughs> a pain in the butt. And so the whole goal was, is there some way we can take down that barrier, take down those hurdles that are stopping students from getting access to opportunity and make it really easy for them? And so the book is basically the culmination of everything we've learned over the last decade, trying to say, hey, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It's as simple as spending a few minutes here and then enjoying the lifetime of the rewards that you reap. I love the way you broke it down in the chapters in here. I love the chapter where you talk about kind of getting in the head of the recruiter yeah. and and how you should tailor your LinkedIn profile to not speak recruiter language, but be more recognizable, right? How many, do you know, happen to know how many companies use like a resume scanning software um, and why it's so important to match those keywords to the job? Yeah. And so I just want to step back for one second before I even get into that. I think there might be a lot of students out there listening who are thinking to themselves, what, like a resume scanning software? Now I'm fighting against robots. <laughs> I think the way to think about this is the same way maybe you can think about school, which is all of these things are just challenges to be conquered, games to be mastered. Don't get freaked out by it. It's not rocket science. Just say, hey, once I can understand the rules, now I can win. And so the reality is, if you're a recruiter at any company in the world, you do use one of these applicant tracking systems, as they're called, ATSs because you don't want to read every resume. You know, that would be a pain in the butt for them. And so you have the, essentially these robots go to work for you and say, does this person have the right skills? Do they have the right keywords, the right sort of sense of they would be a good fit for this job? And so then, so coming back to this idea of playing the game, what a student just needs to do is figure out, okay, what are the things that matter most for this role? Let's say you want to be a junior salesperson. Maybe it's all about cold calling, building relationships, closing deals. Well, guess what? It's not rocket science. Just include that exact verbiage right out of the job description in your resume or on your LinkedIn profile. And that single act, even if it only takes you five minutes or so, changes your ability to be seen by recruiters as opposed to being pushed away by the robots. So understand the rules, win the game. That's great. Such great advice. I wish I would have had this years ago. Oh, me too. I didn't know this when I was in a lot of your <laughs> audience's shoes. So. Oh, that's funny. So what other tips do you have regarding both LinkedIn and resume creation and job searching? Yeah. So I think the number one thing, and this sort of comes back to where we started in terms of talking about my career, is don't be afraid to explore. I think mm -hmm. so often we're rushing young people in our society into like, choose a major, choose a path. When in fact, one of the best parts about being young is that lots of old people like myself are happy to talk with you and share all these hard-earned truths. And so if you go on LinkedIn, you can find people from your high school or from your college who work at Google and Apple and the FBI and the National Park Service and all sorts of fascinating organizations who would just love to chat with you if only you reached out. 
So first of all, don't be shy. Even if you're an introvert like myself, just put yourself out there a little bit and you will learn so much. So that's the first step. And then the second step is, once you've really identified this idea of like, okay, this is what I want to go after. I want to be that FBI agent or I want to be that you know, software developer or whatever it might be. And you're building those skills and you're getting credit for them on your profile. The one other piece that's not really represented by the technology is kind of like the human algorithm. The fact that Betsy and myself and every other human under the sun trust the people who know someone in common with us more than total strangers. Just sort of like one of those evolutionary features that's probably been built into our DNA for tens of thousands of years. And so if you're applying for a job, don't just apply online and hope for the best. Find someone on the inside to go to bat for you. And where can you find those people? On LinkedIn, of course. You say, aha, here's an alum from my school. Here's someone who knows my great aunt. Now I actually have a chance of having them put in a good word for me, which actually the data shows increases your chances of being hired 10x. I think everyone listening deserves that advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage young people to do that all the time, to reach out, especially to the college alum where they went to school. And they're also, I don't want to bug him or, you know, I'm nervous or I don't know what to say. And I'm like, what's the worst they're going to do? They're not going to connect with you or they're not going to answer you. That's okay. I want to speak to that, Betsy, because this is a really important thing to understand. I don't think you or I probably understood this when we were 15 or 20. But when you're 30, 40, 50, all of a sudden your feeling about the world starts to change Mm -hmm. where you have this very human desire to pay it forward a little bit, to make the next generation even more successful than your own. Obviously, that's true with your own kids, but it's true of people who went to the same school or grew up in the same place. We all have that drive. It's actually such a, a foundational part of who we are as humans that sociologists call that generativity, the desire to make the world a better place for the next generation. And so when you reach out to an alum, not only aren't you bothering them, you're giving them a gift, that chance to leave their legacy, to pay it forward. And so never, ever think like, oh my goodness, what a like giant waste of time talking to me. Instead, always think about, look at what I'm doing for them as well. Oh, what a, I love that. What a great way to look at it. That's awesome. I feel that way all the time. I mean, I, I'm always willing to help young people, whether I, you know, went to the same school or know them through somebody. It's it's hard to say no to somebody who's getting started and yes. who, who asks for help. we've all been there, right? Yeah, for sure. Gosh, I've had plenty of help along my, yes. <laughs> my career journey. That's for sure. Um, how important is, we hear the buzz word or the buzz term all the time, personal brand, um, both on LinkedIn and off. What are your thoughts on that? How important is that? Yeah, to be honest, I'm not a fan of that because I think it only adds even more anxiety to an already very anxious generation of people trying to get their start in the world. Like, oh, what is a personal brand? What what, what should mine be? What should I do about it? I think the reality is the two minutes that Betsy and I just spent talking about keywords and algorithms and all that is all you need to know, which is just reverse engineer what your recruiter and what your future employer needs to know from you. Give them that in spades on your profile and your resume. That is as far as you need to go. In terms of your personal brand and some sort of deep existential thing, it's really just about doing great work, work that you love, work that's meaningful for you. If you can put that out into the world, your brand will be known. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I always say just be who you are. Be authentic. That's your personal brand. You don't need to spout that to anybody. Um, This is so, so helpful. Any other tips um, for even for parents who might have a teenager 
getting them started. I know you can't get on LinkedIn until you're 16. I think that's the starting age. But for a teenager who might want to get on and, you know, they're new to it, any tips for parents to help them get started? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that in some ways, the best thing a parent can do is to model some of these behaviors. So I know it might seem like, oh my goodness, I don't want to get involved in my kid's life. You know, no one likes the the overly intrusive mom or dad. But if you say, hey, like, I also reach out to people all the time for coffee, to learn. And if they see you doing that, it becomes a lot more approachable. I think in some ways, that's why we have such problems with equity in our society is there's a certain affluent class of society that's always assumed, of course I would network with people. And then there's a huge chunk of America that doesn't have access to a ton of social capital because they haven't seen their parents do it. But I think the one nice thing about LinkedIn is that it is a genuinely open, accessible place. And so whether you went to a fancy college or community college or no college, you have the same ability to go on there and reach out to someone and say, hey, I'd love to learn from you. And so please, 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 if you're a parent, no matter where you're coming from in your own experience, show your kids that this is normal, acceptable, human behavior. Everyone should have a chance to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about networking. We've talked about, you know, putting yourself out there. Oh, for career searchers, um, I understand that you can put, you know, uh, open to work yes. and have the little frame around your picture. Um, what else can candidates do, whether they're, again, teenagers, college students, or beyond, um, to get themselves noticed and kind of differentiate themselves from the pack? Yeah, absolutely. So I think in addition to open to work, which is the ability to sort of raise your hand on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm in the game, mm-hmm. there are a couple other things that recruiters look for. So number one, they also want to know, do you happen to know anyone in my company Again, that being a signal of your interest in that specific firm. So for anyone who was just doubtful about our last 10 minutes of discussion on networking, (laughs) another good reason where the recruiter inside LinkedIn can actually filter out everyone who's not plugged into my firm and only focus on the people who are now insiders. So make yourself an insider, find someone on the inside. The other thing is, and this is very simple, is they can say, just show me the people who are following my company on LinkedIn. And again, it seems almost too simple to believe But if you're a recruiter and you have a billion candidates to sort through on LinkedIn, which is pretty much where it is today, you want to get every little sort of digital signal you can get that someone's really interested. So if you're excited about Google or if you're excited about working for LinkedIn itself, maybe be sure to follow that company on the site because the recruiters can see that and even filter for that. Okay. And isn't there a way to now, I think this is a new setting where you can say, I want to work for this company. That's right. So you can actually go one step further beyond just open to work in general. You can go to that company specific page and say, hey, I'm not just a sort of general salesperson, accountant, associate, whatever. I want to be that at your company. Okay. Yeah. These are all super helpful tips. Is there anything we didn't cover? Well, <laughs> anything yeah. that you want to share? I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll sort of close with two things. One that will make a lot of this easier and then one that will just sort of hopefully inspire people to achieve what's possible. So if you've thought about some of the stuff that we just talked about in terms of how do I find the right keywords, where do I put them, there's a really great site. It's free to use for a couple of searches a month called jobscan.co. And basically what it'll do, it'll review your resume or your LinkedIn profile relative to the keywords that matter most for your most exciting jobs. And I'll say, hey, Betsy, what about including this keyword? Or Jeremy, what about putting that keyword at the top of your profile? And that just makes it so much easier to get rolling if this whole world just feels mysterious. And then number two, I think the biggest thing that I want to leave people with 
is so often not only we pressure to choose a path, but we also feel like so much of our destiny is out of our own hands. It's in the hands of algorithms or the hands of recruiters or some other faceless entity. And the reality is what I've learned through all these experiences is we have so much more control to shape our paths than we realize, especially when we're young. And so if you ever are feeling frustrated or left out, just know that with these tools, with the people out there who want to help you, you can absolutely chart your course and you're not just being blown around by the winds of fate. Excellent. Excellent advice. What a great way to close. So before we go, where can people find you, follow you, all those things? Yeah. So if you want to get access to any of those AI tools that are all free or any of the other LinkedIn advice, just check me out at linkedinguys.com. linkedinguys.com. Got it. We'll put that link and others in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. This has been incredibly helpful. So I, I am sure my audience will get a lot out of this, especially those who are embarking on careers or looking to make a shift. Um, and I'm going to play around with ChatGPT and see see how much I can learn. That's awesome. And I encourage everyone else to do that as well. The best way to learn, this is from a former kindergarten teacher, is get your hands <laughs> dirty. So you have permission. Go out there and play. Thank you. Big thanks to my guest today, Jeremy Schiefling, for joining me here on the podcast. Speaking with Jeremy was enormously helpful for me as I continue to try to stay on top of new tools and trends that are changing the way we work. When ChatGPT and similar AI tools first became available, I was completely clueless about what they were, how to use them, and why they would be valuable. I happened to come across a post on LinkedIn that was promoting a free webinar about ChatGPT in which Jeremy was participating. That is how I was first introduced to ChatGPT, and more importantly, how I found Jeremy. It's just one of the many examples that I could share with you regarding the value I continue to find using LinkedIn. This is not a commercial for LinkedIn, and they didn't sponsor this episode. It's just my own personal testimonial about my experience and the value that I've found. In my career counseling practice, I always encourage job seekers, particularly those that are just starting out, but really anyone at any stage in their career, to take advantage of the power of LinkedIn. Whether you're looking to connect with others in your field, searching for new job opportunities, or reaching out for career advice from someone, LinkedIn is a free tool to help you do all that and more. And as for ChatGPT, as Jeremy suggested, just dig in and don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid of what you don't know and you might just have some fun doing it. Thanks so much for listening. Please share this with another parent or someone who might find it helpful. Be sure to check out the links and references mentioned in this episode. You'll find them all, including Jeremy's free ProfileBot 400 tool, in the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. I'd love it if you would connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And if you have a minute, please give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That makes a huge difference in helping others find this show. That's it for now. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily... 
That's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.